Turn to Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. And um, just to give you a little bit of a context to what we're reading here, uh, Joshua, Moses has just died. And uh, Moses, of course, was a great, courageous leader that was, you know, uh, it's hard to compare Moses with anybody in the history of our nation as far as the leader of this nation. I mean, he was George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, everybody wrapped up into one. I mean, he was um, just a great, courageous leader. And Joshua was one of the, uh, if you remember as a young man, Joshua was one of the spies. How many remember? Just find that place to look up here. How many remember that Joshua was the young man that was not afraid to enter the land? I mean, he was one of the spies that went in and he said, we can take it now. You know, and God wanted him to take it now, but the people didn't have the courage uh, to do it. And so here is Joshua. Um, he becomes the leader of this nation, and he's facing entering the land finally. Finally, later in his life, now he's ready to enter the land. And uh, But what he's facing is um, there are all these tribes that live in this nation, and they're fierce. I mean, don't underestimate how powerful these armies are that are in the promised land. They promised this land to God. God, God said, you're going to take every inch of this land. We're going to read in a second here. But Joshua is faced with the task of leading the people into that land. Now, I want you to put yourself in that place because sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we don't realize how much danger lies before this man of God. Have you ever thought about what it's like to know that you're taking this band of people that are living basically in a wilderness and you're going to have to literally do hand-to-hand combat with fierce nations? I mean, some of these nations were, I mean, they thought they looked like grasshoppers because they were so big. I mean, so powerful, uh, so awesome were the armies in that land. But Joshua, um, he, there was something different about this guy. And uh, all the land of Israel didn't have a lot of people like Joshua and Caleb. And those two just always had this uh, belief. They just had no fear of dying. There's no man more fierce in a battle than the one that's not afraid to die. And these men knew that their God, they trusted their God was going to protect them. And their God had a plan for them. And, and here they stand on the edge of going into the promised land facing warfare. Facing the possible loss of their life. Facing fierce uh, enemies that are in their, in their path here. And God is bringing them into a dangerous place, alright? How many have ever stood in front of a dangerous place? How many have ever stood in your life and you're going to stand in front of any of these places? It may not be a tribe that is about to war against you, but sometimes uh, it feels like it, don't it? Sometimes the things that are standing in front of you, it may be something financial. It may be something emotional with your family. It may be something physically with your body. But how many know that we're going to face a lot of times where we're staring in the face of danger And God is going to have to give us the courage to walk through it. And that's what this message is about. How do we obtain courage? 
How does God put courage in us to be able to fight the battles He wants us to fight? Because God could have just as easily wiped out every enemy that was in front of Him, right? But instead He chose to fill them with courage to go through it. And that's what God's going to do to us. He's going to fill us with courage. It says, Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do you notice the word be in front of that? Very important word. This is not an act of your mind. This is an act of your will. That means He's asking you to be this. Meaning if we don't, in our will, choose to be this, we'll be the opposite. Now I want you to think for a minute, I want to stop right there. Think for a minute if he wasn't, if he didn't decide in his will to be that. What if Joshua had decided, I'm not going to be strong and I'm not going to be courageous? The alternative would have been back to the wilderness. You know, he could have chosen that path because, you know, a lot of the nation of Israel chose the path. They said, you know what, it was better when we were back home. You know, it was better wandering around in the wilderness. Why? Because they didn't want to face serious danger. And how many of us do that in this life? You know, courage is, is not, in fact, let me, this is, let me, let me, let me tell you this for a second. Courage is not not being afraid. How many seen the, uh, what, was the, what was the city in Texas where the church shooting was at a few weeks ago? How many seen the story? Um, in fact, we were in church here two weeks ago when there was a shooting in a small Texas church. And I was amazed with the story. And one of the things that was the most amazing was... A neighbor had heard shots, and he was a former NRA instructor, which I'm sure all of the news outlets told you, (laughs) but he heard shots, and he began to think in his mind, every time there's a shot, there's a victim, and he said when he would hear that, that's what his mind was thinking, and his mind was thinking, and he made the statement, he said, I was scared to death. I was scared. This this man's a hero. Okay, but he was scared. Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the desire in your heart to do the right thing regardless of how much it hurts. And this man was barefoot in his yard, quickly grabbed some ammunition and a gun, and he faced head-to-head a guy that had a military vest on and a a, a semi-automatic weapon and had all kinds of rounds and guns with him. And as he walked out of the building, this guy actually uh, delivered two bullets to to the killer. I mean, this guy had all this armor on and this guy courageously went in and somehow hit him twice, chased him down with his car while calling the ambulance and calling the police and chased him down at 95 miles an hour, ran him into a ditch, and then the man finally um, ended his own life. But he shot him twice. And But you see the courage, and that's what we're going to find in life. Courage is never the absence of fear. You say, well, maybe I'm not courageous because I'm afraid. And God says, no, be courageous. Be strong. 
I know you're afraid. I know you're scared. I know the thing in front of you looks unstoppable and unbeatable and difficult and hard and all of the things above. It may be your marriage. It may be your children. It may be your health. It may be your finances. I don't know what it is. It may be depression. Whatever is in front of you is difficult, and I know you're scared, but God says, be courageous. Be strong. Put it on. You know, throw the fear aside and let's be courageous. And he goes on and he says, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. And he says it again. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to the right or the left, so you may be successful wherever you go. Now there's twofold here. Number one is you're going to go in and you're going to defeat every enemy. I mean, there are going to be enemies. There's going to be trials. Mike was talking about it this morning. There's going to be things in front of us that are difficult. I mean, there's going to be all kinds of things that are in front of the Christian, and they're going to have to overcome them. They're going to have to fight. You know, we have to have some fighters. We have to have this courage is indispensable. We have to have it in order to succeed. But he says those enemies are going to be in front of you. You're going to have to fight. But then he also says you also are going to have to be courageous that once you get in the land, you learn how to live. I mean, not only are you going to have to be courageous to get into the land to defeat the enemy, but once you get in the land, you're going to have to be courageous to stay there. Isn't that interesting? So what is this courage? There's a Hebrew word here uh, that's used in Joshua, and it's the word kazak. And this word kazak is used 300 times in the Old Testament. You can tell when God is serious about a word when he uses it 300 times. That means that he wants us to have this quality. He wants us to be that. He wants us to be that. He doesn't want us to be afraid. He doesn't want us to have fear. He doesn't want us to back away. He he wants us to have this attribute. So as you break down this word kazak, or kazak, 300 times in the Bible, it says it's a, this is from the Bible dictionary, it says this is a unique, uniquely strong and powerful description of our word courage. It says it's a primitive root that means to fasten upon and seize. Like grab a hold of it really tight and don't let go of it. That means if you're afraid, he says, grab a hold of courage and don't let go of it. Seize it. I mean, it's a powerful, more powerful than our word courage. It's grab a hold of it like a bulldog and say, I'm going to win. I will have victory. I will not let go. I will not back up. I will not back down. How many know the enemy will try to get you to back up? Enemy will try to get you to back down. The enemy will see that promise that's in your hand, and what will he do? Let go of it. Whatever means it takes, release it. God's not going to help you. And some people will go back in the wilderness, and they'll want to live. Rather than go and fight the enemy and face the enemy and beat the enemy, a lot of people will back up and say, I'm not going to hold on to victory. 
It's just too much. And you know, there's a, one of the famous lines from the American Revolution was, give me liberty or give me death. That means I would rather die than live under these this treachery. I'd rather die than live under this uh, dictator that's telling me how to live my life. I would rather die than, than give up ground to the enemy. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to be a bulldog. It goes on and it says, it means to be encouraged in yourself, to be established, to fasten tight, to force, to fortify, to make strong, to grab a hold, to play the man, to mend, to be stout, to be strong, to behave valiantly. You see what's happening here. It's like the enemy will come against you and God is saying, in me, be stout. Like don't move. Like when the enemy tries to get you to flinch, don't flinch. I was reading a funny uh, military story. It was uh, Patton uh, and MacArthur. And they were standing on the battlefield and there literally was a war going on around them. Okay, there were bombs and everything going on, but both of them always believed very strongly that you never flinch whenever you're in a battle. And so they both stared each other in the eye and standing in the middle of the battlefield, bombs going all around them and bullets flying everywhere. They both just stood there and looked each other in the eye. And neither one of them would budge. Well, something uh, something uh, in the background made a noise and uh, Patton flinched just a little bit. And they said MacArthur looked him in the eye and says, don't worry, sir, or don't worry, um, the one that gets you, you'll never hear. And he walked off smiling. Because he flinched a little. And you know what God wants us to do is have a faith so strong that we don't flinch. That I trust my God so much that whatever is in front of me, I'm not going to flinch. I'm not going to back up. And you know what? As much as there were troops that were watching these men, there are people watching us. You know, they're watching how we go through things, how we face adversity, how we face circumstances. And you know what? We're all going to face them. Say, man, I wish you'd preach a message where we didn't face any adversity. I wish the, the world that we live in, we didn't have to face adversity. But you know what? We will and we do. And He's powerful to take us through every single one of them. That's the message of this book. Every single one of them He'll bring us through and we'll be stronger. And we don't have to flinch. We don't have to back up. We don't have to give in to the enemy. We don't have to let go of His promises. First Chronicles 19.15, the same word, courage, kazak, is used. It says, Be of good courage. Let us behave ourselves valiantly for our people and for the cities of our God and let our Lord do what is good in His sight. You see that never flinch attitude of God's people? Let God do what He what seems favorable in His eyes to do because I'm not going to flinch. I'm going to be stout. I'm going to stand firm in my God that I trust. How many know that sometimes you're in the middle of something 
You can flinch really easy. You can doubt God really quickly. We've all done it. But God is bringing us to a level of maturity where we know Him so well that no matter how dark it looks, we still trust in our God. And that's the goal of maturity. Saying, are you all the way there? I'm not always there. Are you all the way there? I hope so. But we're all working together to be the type of people that have such faith that we can go through anything. That's where God's calling us. Psalm 27.14 says, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. This is a really interesting one here. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 31.24, Be of good courage and He will strengthen your heart, all of you that hope in the Lord. Now there's one interesting thing about this word. Like I said, number one, it's not passive at all. It's a word where you actually have to go out and take it and grab it and hold on to it. To be courageous is to grab a hold of it and change the way we really feel. Because how many know our nature a lot of times is to run? In fact, the nature of the man who was the hero in Texas was to run. He was afraid. But courage is always grabbing a hold of something valiant that we don't have and saying, you know what? I'm afraid, but I'm not going to listen. I'm going to run straight into danger. And you know, that's what people do every day. You know, some of the greatest stories you'll ever see, I wish the news had more of these stories, is stories of courage where people should flinch, but rather than flinch, they run in. Kazakh... This is from the Bible Dictionary. is a bold word that describes the believer's confident courage that's only perfected when they're waiting for God. It's the mighty power of God to be brave and be strong and take courage. Do not give up. God is in, in the chaos and the storms, and He's generously giving the seeker courage, strength, stamina, endurance, perseverance, and fortitude for every situation. Man, Bible dictionaries can preach sometimes. Did you hear that? Let me read it one more time in the beginning. The word kazakh is a bold word describing the believer's confident courage that is only perfected while waiting. While waiting. It's like, man, I have something serious, a serious storm in front of me. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't have any idea what the result's going to be. I don't have any idea. I just know that I'm about to go through something difficult. There's an enemy that's waiting for me. There's an enemy that would love to pounce on me. And the enemy, and the enemy is just whispering in your ear, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to be defeated. It's all been a lie. It's all been too difficult. God doesn't care about you. How many have ever heard these voices? You're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. And that word that I'm talking about today says, He will make you brave in the moment that you need it. In the moment that you're waiting to engage the enemy, He will make you brave. This is the same word literally, and I'll show you in a minute, it's the same word that literally came upon David at the moment that he needed courage, that the giant is standing there and he's running at him. Can you see that? 
this small little boy with a slingshot and a giant veteran military warrior that nobody in the world could defeat at that moment, a giant. And rather than standing back and saying it's too difficult, courage just comes upon him. And he's running after him. I mean, David is, I mean, I'm sure the giant was like, what? He just said, you know, who are you to bring this small dog to come out here and fight me? And then this little chihuahua comes running after him. I mean, he's sprinting after him, going towards him, because God had put a supernatural courage upon him to face difficulty, to face the enemy, to face whatever is placed before us in life. God's going to give us that courage. Some examples of courage. There are a lot of examples that we kind of know of, right? Like if you... uh, see a lot of people that, in, that that encounter this kind of difficulty every day. Joshua in a line of work where every day there has to be courage because you're going to face situations where you literally could lose your life. And that job description is a pretty good example of I have to put my fears aside because I took an oath to be courageous. I took an oath. I mean, I there's a lot of people that would downplay the level of courage it takes to be an officer or a firefighter or in the military, but you know that they, for a living, have to do what we're being asked to do right here. God asks us to be warriors. God asks us to be like an officer that is protecting the public. You know, they walk into a situation, and you'll see it, uh, remember in the situation in Las Vegas, You know, everybody was running one direction, and then here's all these men and women with the law enforcement that were running the other direction. You know, a lot of people by nature were running away, and what do you think was in the spirit of an officer? I'm afraid. But in the moment that courage was needed, you remember that vow to protect the public, and you run right in there. And God is asking us to be like that. God's asking us to be like a hero. God is saying whenever it looks the darkest, whenever it looks the bleakest, whenever it looks like the enemy has an upper hand, God is saying you're going to run right into the face of the enemy because you are courageous through me. Let me give you some other examples of courage that maybe you don't always think about. How about a person who is in a classroom in a university or in a public school? Do you know what courage looks like in that situation? Courage means I'm going to stand up for what I believe, and I don't care what anybody at my workplace, I don't care what anybody around me says, I don't care about the professor that's trying to make me look like an idiot. You know, it's going to work and saying I'm going to live out my faith no matter what anybody says. How many know that's courage? That is being poured in courage. You're grabbing hold of something and you're saying, you know what, it doesn't matter what anybody says about me. How many know when you're going through something in life, it's like I'm going to hold on to the belief that God loves me. I'm going to hold on to the belief that God's going to carry me through this. Sometimes you see acts of courage 
Listen to this. I like this. Sometimes we see courage demonstrated in ways that aren't widely heralded, but nonetheless they are inspiring. Listen to this. Such as a little child with cancer who bravely smiles as he faces painful treatment. Think about that courage. Can you imagine a child facing treatment and man, the courage to smile and tell mom and dad, I'm okay. Courage. I mean, I'm afraid, but I'm okay. You understand we got to put fear aside, stand up, and have the courage that God's going to give us in the moment we need it. The moment we need courage, God will give it to us. In fact, I was reading a story from uh, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and there was a uh, believer that uh, was facing certain death. He knew that he was going to be executed the next day. And... Uh, so there was a little candle in his uh, cell there, and he was like, God, you know, he was going through all the emotions. What You ever wondered what it would be like if you were in a situation like, like the disciples of Christ who were martyred? And, and he was sitting in a cell, and he was just wondering, God, are you going to deliver me? Am I going to have to go through this? You know, what is going to happen with me? And he was just debating, and they were going to actually burn him at the stake. And uh, for his faith in Christ. And he was just praying for strength. He was like, give me the courage. courage. I need courage. Now, we don't know what God's plans were. Sometimes somebody will be martyred and it will be the greatest revival the church has ever seen. And God has plans that are beyond anything we know. And he says, as he was sitting in the room praying for courage, his mind just began to wander and the enemy began to attack. And the enemy began to just say, you know, you can't handle this. You, know, you can't do this. It's too much for you. And so there was a little candle there, and he began to put his finger over the top of it because he knew they were going to burn him. And as he put his hand over there, the enemy just began to weigh on him. And he kept pulling his finger away, and he said, God, I just can't do it. I can't even handle this little candle. And uh, as they began to talk about him being martyred, God just spoke to him in the cell and he said, My grace is sufficient for you. In the hour of your need, I will give you the courage that you didn't know you had. And so as the story begins to unfold, the next day he was being martyred by burning. And it was one of the bravest, most courageous men that you've ever seen in the history of the church. And he couldn't even hold his hand over a candle. But God gave him courage in the hour of his need. Do I understand why he was martyred? No. Do I understand why you're going through what you're going through? No. But do I know that God has the grace that is sufficient to take you through anything that we can be confident in God to the very end? And God will give us the courage to deal with whatever life throws at us. If you're looking for answers for every situation in your life, I don't have them. If you're looking for somebody that's been through a lot of things, and I'm not mad, I'm not bitter, I'm not resentful, I'm not blaming anybody else, because God's grace has been sufficient. I can tell you right now, I could die right now and I'd be a happy man. I would be a very happy man because God's grace is sufficient for me. God's grace has been sufficient to bring me through everything with a sweet spirit because we trust our God. Hallelujah.
Let me finish reading this. The child who bravely smiles at the face of painful treatment or the handicapped person who refuses to sit back and feel sorry for himself but forges ahead and insists on being involved. Courage is a armor a blind man wears. It's a callous scar that outlives every despair. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. I trust you, God. It's the one who is stout, even though they're facing something very, very difficult. They're stout. They're not going to move. How do we acquire courage? The first way that we acquire courage is we have to make a decision that we're going to be brave. You know, we have a choice to make. We can decide that I'm going to live in fear or we can decide even though I don't understand, I'm going to face the enemy and I'm going to defeat the enemy. We can make a decision that we're going to be courageous. And like I said, there are certain occupations that every day they have to make that decision in order to do their job. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. Meaning that if you determine to obey God's commands, He will strengthen you with the resolve to carry it out. If you resolve to do it, God will impart to you the ability to accomplish it. God can give you the strength to go through anything. Number two, how do we find the courage to go through things in life? How about God's presence? In fact, as you begin to read, as you begin to read in Second Corinthians. <clears throat> Paul uses a word here over and over. In fact, this particular chapter, I think he uses 14 times the word comfort. Think about that. One word, I think 14 times and 11 times he uses a noun. And this word comfort, in fact, let me read it. It says, Praise be to God the Fa- God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. Now listen to this really careful. It's an eye into some of the things that we're going through. He has compassion for us and comforts us in any tr- comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. So we went through comfort and He comforted us so we can comfort other people who are going through the same trouble. And I was reading a story about a minister. He'd been a 40-year pastor in Dallas. And he had a young lady in his church that had lost her child. And... uh he just was at wit's end. He was a younger minister and he just didn't really know how to deal with it. And so everything he said to her, he just kept trying to comfort her. Kept trying to uh, find a way to let her know 
how sorry he was and, and, and just tried everything he could to comfort her in her loss. And nothing that he said, it was almost like there was a wall there. And he couldn't minister to her, couldn't say anything to her. And at the funeral, as he did the funeral ceremony, he still felt in his heart that he wasn't able to comfort her, could not reach her. And at that, at that funeral for his, for her, her child, there was a woman in the church that had also lost a child. And that woman, in just a few moments of their conversation, they both begin to cry. They both begin to weep. They both begin to hug each other. And he said, in one minute, more comfort was ministered to that mother than 20 years of my ministry. And he, and he, and he said to himself, Paul was right. He wants us to deliver the comfort that we went through to those who need comforting. So if you've been through something in your life and you've overcame it, if you walk down a dark road that nobody else has walked down, you have comfort that nobody else can minister but you. And God wants us to deliver that comfort to those who need comfort. And what's really interesting about this word, comfort. Remember I said that the same spirit that was upon David, God wants it to be upon you. The same courage. Well, this word comfort is actually the word encouraged or comfort. It could be either one. But listen to this. That word comfort is parakaleo. Does that sound familiar? It's actually a name for the Holy Spirit, the comforter. This is the person. I said it was a noun several times. This is the person of the Holy Spirit that is comforting you. In fact, the word means, literally means legal counsel. It means I'm walking into a courtroom and by my side is somebody who is constantly defending me and making sure that I am not accused of anything. The Holy Spirit is by your side. literally means when he says comfort there in in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he literally is saying he's by your side right next to you. He is your legal counsel that is going to follow you everywhere you go, protect you, comfort you. Uh, It's the Holy Spirit that is comforting The Holy Spirit is right there with you no matter what you're going through. If it's a sickness, if it's your marriage, if it's depression, if it's difficulty, it says the Holy Spirit will be right beside you. The paraclete is what the Holy Spirit is called. It's the one who comforts. And it says He's going to be right there and the Spirit is going to comfort you so you can pour that Spirit upon other people. God is calling us to comfort other believers So the second thing is, God Himself is how we acquire courage because the God of all comfort is upon us to comfort other people. I know I'm getting late here, I'm sorry. The third thing to acquire courage is the Word of God. I mean, all through the Word of God, in fact, uh, let me give you one example. 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 7 and 8. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Syria and his vast army that is with him. Okay, here's what you got to see. Assyria ruled the entire world at this time. And this king of Israel saw all of these powerful armies around him and God is like, 
Be strong and courageous. Don't fear this vast army that is around you. Do you realize how difficult and dangerous this is? But he says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria. For there is great power with us than there is with him. There is greater power with us than there is with him. With him is only the arm of the flesh. But with us is the Lord our God who will help us and fight our battle. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. You know, all through the Bible, God shows His people in situations that were desperate. Situations where there was no help. Situations where it looked like they were going to be defeated. It looked like they were destroyed. It looked like they were gone. But then God used His Word to make you have the confidence to defeat a giant army. All through the Bible, if you open yourself up to the Word of God, I said 300 times that Word is used. The Word of God will pour courage into you. If you read the Word of God and you actually see what they're doing, it will pour courage into your life. Let me give you another one here. This is really important. Other people can give you courage. The word encourage literally means to pour courage in. It means you can pour courage into somebody else. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and encourage you? They said something to you that made you feel confident that I can go out today and do well for myself. But then there are other people that discourage you. That means they take courage out of you. We got to really be careful that we're the type of people that encourage people to do well. That we're not pulling courage out of other people. Like when people, in fact, I've seen a football coach uh, a little while back, he said, the only thing people will remember about you is how you make them feel. Like when they leave, how did you make them feel? And if what you're saying to the people around you is, discouragement, you're pulling strength out of people. And God wants us to encourage one another. Listen to these scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. And then a few verses later it says encourage those who are timid. You see how God wants us to make each other stout. Make each other strong. Make each other pour courage into one another. Like, I don't feel encouraged, but tell me something that says I'm going to win. Tell me something that says that God is for me. Tell me something that says I can have victory. I'm not talking about flattery here. Some people want to use flattery, and God says flattery is wrong. What God wants us to tell people is, you can win, you can have the victory, you can hold on tight, you can not let go, you can be strengthened, you can be stout. God hasn't forgot about you. God is for you. God knows what you're going through. God will give you strength. God is close to the brokenhearted. The Bible is full of encouragement. And God is saying, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what situation your neighbor's in, God says, encourage one another, build each other up, make them strong. And you say, well, wonderful. Why aren't people doing that to me? I'm glad you asked. Why aren't you doing it to other people? Why? Why are you not building other people up? Why is it always about me? 
Because when he says encourage one another, he's not saying look for people to encourage you. He's saying let's encourage one another. Let's build one another up. Let's strengthen one another. It's a two-way street here. Let's try to find ways to encourage one another, but let's make sure we're encouraging one another. Let's lift each other up. Let's build each other up. Let's strengthen one another. Paul with chains in Acts 28.15. He was really discouraged. Courage was taken out of him. And it says that Paul, seeing a bunch of different people who were believers that traveled a long distance just to see Paul being carried by security to another area. And it says Paul within himself felt courage. Because he'd just seen them drive that far or go that far to see him. And it says Paul became encouraged in his spirit. Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some have the habit of doing. That's not my sermon today. I'm not going into that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But it says, let us encourage one another. And even more since the day, capital D, is approaching. That means if we're not together and we're not encouraging one another back and forth, then we're in danger because the day, capital D, is approaching. So while we can still do it, let's encourage each other. Let's lift each other up. Let's build one another up. Let's make each other stout and strong in the face of opposition. And let's be that. Let's be courageous. Let's not be fearful. Let's not be afraid. Let's not say we can't. Let's not say they're too big. Let's not say the enemy's too powerful. Let's say that God is big enough and I'm going to have confidence even while I wait. My God. Praise the Lord.